All right, my friend, where are you going to be on February 22nd and 23rd? Well, I'm visualizing that you're going to be at the Best Ever Conference because there's going to be a lot of people at the Best Ever Conference. This is the third annual Best Ever Conference. You can go to besteverconference.com. And then you, what you'll do is just to get your ticket at a giant discount, put in the promo code hashtag blue spruce. That's hashtag blue spruce. I'll be on stage this year. I want to see you there. You'll be there. I'll be there. And a lot of other people will be there. Some other famous podcasters, besteverconference.com. Use the promo code hashtag blue spruce. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the one and only Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams, and I'm your win-win maker, and I'm here to help you get from the point you are now to the next point. So if you have 3,000 doors, I want to help you get 23,000 doors. And if you're at zero doors, that's okay. I want to get you to five doors as soon as possible. And today we have a guest on the show that's going to help us do that. So her name is Ellie Perlman, and she is a massive success in the real estate investing world. And one quick thing is many of you listeners uh, may have already heard her or seen her in person at the Raising Money Summit. She brought a ton of value talking about social media and how you can actually use and utilize your social media to raise capital for your deal. She's raised quite a bit of money. Uh, she's partnered in already 1,600 units. Most of those are passively invested. She's also just bought another 398 units. I think we should just round it to 400. She also just bought another 398 units recently. Um, and she hosts the Unbelievable Real Estate Stories podcast. Now, we talk about that really happened. Like, did that really actually happen? Uh, the stories on her podcast are very, very good. So, I, I think you should just take a moment to sign up for Unbelievable Real Estate Stories because what you'll get there is you'll get stories of things that have happened majorly wrong to investors and either how they overcame it or what, they, what happened to them and they were not able to overcome it. And that's mostly for you so that you don't have to go through the same things. So, Today, we're going to talk a little bit about her podcast, why she started a podcast, what she gets out of having a podcast. We'll also talk a little bit about why she decided to go passively because it takes a lot of capital to be invested passively in other people's deals. When you're running your own deal, sometimes you can create your money. So, uh, very, very interesting. We're going to pick her brain about those and some other things. But without further ado, Ellie Perlman, tell us a little bit about you and your background. Hey, Adam. Um, first of all, I'm really glad to be here and it's great to see you again. Um, I had a, a great time at the uh, Money Raising Summit and I met a lot of interesting and driven people. So thank you for having me there as well. Well, thank you for coming to the Raising Money Summit. And as I understand it, you were born and raised outside the country at the top of a hill and you had to go uphill both ways in the snow very small town. You probably milked your own goats. Tell us a little bit about that. What, what did it look like when you were growing up? Sure. Um, so there was actually not much snow there. It was a very, very small community um, in, in Israel um, on the top of a mountain about when my parents moved there, I was, uh, I think, two or three years old and was 
20, maybe 25 families. Um, and life was, was pretty tough. Um, my mom was sick and, and my dad, um, was out of the house a lot and was also unemployed for many years. Um, and I grew up on this top of, of, of that mountain, pretty, um, isolated from, from, you know, r- reality in, in some way, but every all that I knew was that money is something that only rich people have and we just don't have it. And, um, that was, that was my, you know, my childhood, um, growing up where there was, you know, not enough money to even raise us. So we had to be, um, we were actually taking, when I say we, the children were taken out of the house, we were four, I'm, I'm, um, the oldest and we were put in um, in boarding schools because my parents could not afford to have us in the house. Wow. And um, there, when you listen to the Unbelievable Real Estate Stories podcast, the very first episode really dives deep into your history. And so I already encourage the listener to really go there to get all of the parts but I remember one of the interesting things that I heard you say is that you um, there was some hand-me-downs that you, you took from uh, some of the other kids while growing up. And one day you showed up, at, I believe it was at school, and another kid said, hey, that's my dress or that's my shirt. Is yeah. that accurate? Yeah, very accurate. Good memory, Adam. Uh, yeah, I was put in this very, very uncomfortable position where kids um, and that one specific kid actually recognized that they gave the, the t-shirt for ch- to charity and it ended up on my, you know, my parents' porch because we were taking um, clothes from charity. We couldn't afford really to buy a lot of clothes. And that was for me a, a turning point when I, I, re- I realized that I was so vulnerable and, and so weak in, in the you know, in the kind of social scale. And I made a decision right there. I think I was 11 years old that my future kids and are never going to have to experience what I've been experiencing. And that has been a major force for me that kind of the driving force, even until today, and in a way, because it was kind of a trauma in a sense, it, it never leaves you. So it doesn't matter what I've achieved in life. I always looked up and said, um, is this how, I mean, it's great, but I, I really want to conquer the next peak and the next peak. And it's kind of a never ending journey. Um, and that actually brought me to apply to law school and I'm fast forwarding, you know, many years, um, uh, which we're not going to get into it, but, um, I, I started my career actually as a real estate, as a commercial real estate lawyer and, um, experienced the uh, 2007 with the rest of the world, which was very, very interesting. Um, and then moved to uh, work as a property manager um, for a big oil and gas company. And all that was happening in Israel. Um, and at some point I felt that I, you know, I had this legal background and some business experience and I really wanted to take it to the next level decided to um, go to a business school and I, I moved here to the States, um, moved to Boston for two years, the coldest two years of my life. Um, and, and then moved to California where I am today in Santa Monica and decided to 
um, kind of move to the other part of real estate, which I have not had any uh, a chance to really take part of, which was passive investing, and you know, and, and then later on um, taking the lead as um, a syndicator. Love it. And one of the biggest things that I try every time that I record uh, an episode for my audience, one of the biggest things that I focus on is mindset because with regard to mindset, in my own opinion, my humble opinion, um, you will achieve absolutely nothing if your mind is not right first. And if your mind's right, but you have no other tools, you're very likely to still achieve it. And that's something that your story really explains really, really well. Um, so we talk about the time that you had that shirt and another girl said, hey, that's my shirt. And we talk about that that took you into getting your law degree and you went to a top school and other people said something to you and you just wouldn't respond the way that the 99% of people would have responded. So I like to just go there. When you decided to be an attorney and you decided to go to a good school, um, what kind of feedback did you get from the outside? Well, I, I think to begin with, people are always um, speak from their own, they always project and speak from their own point of view and their experiences. And I think a lot of people give up pretty early on because it's difficult, it's uncomfortable, and it's scary to do something that you think is bigger than what you could have achieved. So um, it was all, all the comments came from good intentions from people that were in my immediate circle that really wanted the best for me, but that's how they view the best for me as preventing me from uh, failing and in, in from being disappointed. Um, I mean, my father always said, you're aiming too high, you're going to crash and burn. You're, you're aiming for, for the stars and it's, it's not right because he has been trying to get to a certain place and he couldn't and, and he wanted to prevent me from experiencing the same thing. Um, and there, a lot of responses were, you're, you won't make it, um, especially when I wanted to go to, to um, business school um, and I was aiming to you know, I wanted to go to an Ivy League school um, and the responses I received were, you're crazy. You're, you're not going to get, you know, you're never going to get in because it's very competitive. Um, even the company that I hired to help me get in with helping me with the strategy and what to write and how to position myself because um, nothing happens just because you're trying hard. You also have to strategize and work on it. Um, and they even said, you know what, MIT is a stretch. You yeah. have great grades, but you need a higher score at the GMAT and you need to have a certain experience. And, and I said, doesn't matter. I never, that's the thing. I never listened to it. I think, and I told my, my husband the other day, I think I'm a challenge junkie. If something is hard, it makes me get going. It's, it's exciting because the, the process of getting there and, and um, over, you know, just bypassing and, and um, keep pushing through is exciting for me because then I can say, oh, I did it. I actually did it. Um, that's why I love skiing because it's the same. I started skiing the very um, 
think uh, that was when I was 32, probably, or 31, I started skiing, which was very late. Um, but when I was going through the black diamond, you know, I, it's, it's scary. But once you do that, you're so proud of yourself. And it's so, you know, it's really fulfilling. So yeah, that that was to your question. Um, a lot of the um, a lot of the comments and around me were don't do it because xyz and i just never listened because i think a key point and i think that can be very beneficial for your listeners is to look at people at the people that actually give you this you know word of advice look at their lives if they're trying to give you advice about business how is their business doing are they successful and only then you can consider me perhaps listening to so it's like if someone was you know, got divorced or have, um, you know, failed relationships, it's probably not the best person to give you, you know, advice about good relationships. And, and I'm a divorcee myself. Um, but I'm just saying that just look at the, the, their background and understand, um, you know, if this is someone you really want to listen to and all the people I kept reminding myself, all the, the people who made it, um, in life, they never listened. Everyone else around them thought they were crazy and they kept doing it any anyways and look what they are today. So I 100% agree. And thank you for going into that uh, with so many obstacles, so much you have to overcome to, to get to the next level. I mean, you have, you're a partnered in literally hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of real estate today. Like, and to think, that your dad may have said, um, don't shoot for the stars and you, you would have believed him. And you said, okay, you're right, dad, I, I shouldn't. But you, instead, you, you said, how can I? How can I go to Ivy League school? How can I become an attorney? How can I um, you know, be partnered into millions and hundreds of millions of dollars of, of real estate? And it's that question when you just basically say, how can I do that? What is the way for me to solve the problem? Yes, I understand my grades might be lower than that. Yes, I understand mm -hmm. my score might be lower than that. But still, how can I? You know, so a very, very um, inspirational and very true. I think a lot of this business comes with the mindset. So there really was two main topics that I wanted to get into with you. And one of those was you started a podcast. And so right. like what gave you the gall, the gumption, what made you decide to say, you know what, I can start a podcast. I can have a platform. I can help other people there. I think we have a two part and I'll, and we'll talk about both parts and then we might um, ask some questions about them. Sure. Um, the first thing that I have to say is that I don't think there's something I cannot do if I put enough effort into it. I just believe that I can. And even I think if some of your listeners think that they want to get, you know, they want to get somewhere and they don't really believe that they can talk to yourself, imagine it happening until you convince yourself that this is really happening. I know it's, it may be a little bit vague. Um, it maybe even sounds a little bit silly, but th this is exactly how it happens. If you can see it in your head, you will get there. Um, and I honestly didn't think that podcasting was, um, you know, impossible. There's a lot of work involved, you know, when you're just creating a podcast, when you're promoting it, and I still have a lot of work to do, and I keep improving all the time. Um, 
but you know, I was looking at what other podcasters were doing and that was very helpful for me because I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. There are certain ways of doing that. And I also got help because I knew I could not do everything by myself. I have a social media manager and, um, I also, I also have someone who edits the, you know, the podcast. So that, I mean, having the team was really key for me. Um, and you know, we're all humans. If, if you can do it, there's no reason why I can't do it. Um, and that's basically how I see many things. Um, we're all the same. It's just those who succeeded and those who stayed long enough in the same path to actually, um, you know, make it happen. And the reason why I went to, uh, I started podcasting, there were two main reasons. The first one was, um, I, I understood that there were a lot of investors out there that want to deploy money and want to invest in other syndications. But how can I, I try to understand how can I separate myself from other syndicators? How can I be unique? And talking about my personal story was really the, the one thing that I thought that could be beneficial. And I've been hearing a lot of comments from people that I've shared my life story, which I honestly didn't think it was that special. Um, but because when you, when you're in, in living that life, you don't really feel, Oh, it's so hard. You just live it. That's all, you know, um, and from the feedback that I received from people, I understood this is something that you can, you know, that, that is really interesting. And I thought, why not just put my story out there and let investors listen to that story through that platform, the podcast. Um, and many investors felt they reached out to me because they heard the story. And it's really helping to break the ice and, and also to make them feel like they know me, which they are because they know about me more than they know other syndicators. So it's not only a face on the, um, on the website or they, they, if they read an article, actually listening to me telling my story was very beneficial to create that trust because I'm exposing a lot of things that usually people don't, don't expose. Um, so that was one main reason and it has been working wonderfully. Also from people who, um, some of them end up, you know, investing with me and some of them, some people just reach out and they wanted to talk about my life and want to share their life story. And we created some really great relationships and, um, fr from that. So that was a great way. Um, that's a segue to the second reason why I started a podcast, which was it's an unbelievable, um, networking platform. I meet so many people um, that normally I wouldn't really have access to. Um, and you have, you know, after, after we, we finished the interview and we continue the conversation, just great things came out of that. And I've expanded my, my professional and social circle, um, thanks to the podcast. So besides creating the trust, um, with investors and putting yourself, you know, out there, it's also a great tool for, for networking and which I actually had no idea that it would be that great. Um, but I mean, you reach out to people and say, Hey, you want to be on my podcast and people that would usually not, you know, are super busy, they're willing to be there. And then that's how you can really create a meaningful relationship. I love it. So I do have some, a few things kind of queued up about the podcast and number one. So this episode comes out uh, February 3rd. And so any, 
everybody listening, I think we're episode 187. So back at 158 on December 7th, a podcast came out that it was called Starting Your Own Podcast. So that's all, it's all about kind of starting your own podcast. Now, what Ellie's talking about right now is exactly why I told you on December 7th that you have to have your own podcast. If you're going to be syndicating your own deals, raising money, you have to have your own podcast for, for so many reasons. Um, now, what I wanted to chat about is, number one, we needed to at least point out, anytime that my guest says the words, how can I, within the recording of the podcast, I always point it out. So your question was not, I can't stand out from other people. I'm not different from other people. It, your question was, how can I set myself apart? And so you, you ask the question. So because if you ask the right question, you get the right answer. But if you said, I can't, then you're done. And so that's very, very important. So we're going to talk about the two different reasons, the two big reasons that you'll have your own podcast. And number one is passive investors, knowing who you are, knowing you a little bit better. And that goes by the episode that came out two days ago with Corey Peterson, the big kahuna, talking about the way that he raises equity is to get to know people better. And the more people that know you, the more likely you're going to raise your own equity. So this, uh, I mean, it's great to just tell your story, but I mean, the selfish reason to have a podcast is because that way other people get to really know who you are and when they understand you and connect with you, they're more likely to align themselves with you so that you have that passive investment. And the second big thing was networking with top players and I could not agree more. The thing in my real estate business that has changed the business more than anything regardless of passive investment, is being able to uh, bring you on, bring Ellie Perlman on today, bring Corey Peterson on two days ago, and other top players in our industry, and we become on the same level. So I just wanted to kind of point those things out. And I want to follow up by just asking you, what's changed your business? What have you seen, if you could give us one example, since the day that you started the Unbelievable Real Estate Stories podcast? Uh, the number of passive investors or potential passive investors that reached out to me increased significantly. Um, it's, you know, when, you, when you're raising capital and you have a podcast out there, that positions you as a serious um, you know, syndicator as the real deal, because when, like you mentioned before, when you have top players on your podcast, it puts you in the same level as they are. And that's, you know, that's part of the validation of the vetting that passive investors are, are doing. So for me, that really, um, increased the number of, um, uh, you know, the, just my reach has really, uh, increased and, um, I'm having, a, Almost on a daily or bi-daily basis, I have a new investor reaching out, wanting to chat, um, or and it also drives um, it drives traffic to your website as well because they look at your podcast, they're curious about you, then they go check out, they Google your name, they go see your website. So I've seen those two things: the, the website traffic and the number of direct reach um, just grow in in a major way. 
Perfect. So we really have we really have three things that the podcast can really do for us. Uh, it can increase uh, the people that know us, which uh, in turn helps have more passive investment with our deals. It, it helps us network with the top players around and actually pick their brain and ask them really, mm-hmm. how did you get to where you are? Um, selfishly, you know, corner them for 30 minutes or whatever and grab all that info, but then, and then unselfishly uh, also pass that information to others who want to learn. And the third thing is, is SEO, uh, search engine optimization. You're getting more people going to the website and, um, and I assume that that makes Google or the other search engines say, uh, look what's going on here. This must be a good place to go. So the next thing I really wanted to talk about with you is why you decided to go passive. So you, um, you've got, you know, just under 2000 doors that you're partnered in and probably about 1500, 1600 of those are just completely passive investments for you. And that's, that, that can take a lot of money. So the question that I would have is, um, yeah, and I and I'm with you. So I, I I've been passive and I do active. I do personally. I raise money for my deals and I put when I have too much money. I put I don't buy a car. I I go into your deal so I can have more credibility. But in your own words, without you uh, thinking that I tr- told you what to say, what made you um, decide to go passively invested in 1600 ish doors? So it really depends, um, you know, at what stage of the investment. Uh, the main reason um, was, and it could be one of two, but the main reason was to gain some knowledge about real estate from the investing point of view, because I had the, the um, experience from the legal uh, point of view and from the property management, but just to understand, you know, to learn how you look at market, how other syndicators are looking at the market, at the deals and, and, um, get that type of experience. Um, that was one main reason. And, I've see, and I see a lot of people who um, actually, they, they want to start becoming syndicators tomorrow, but they still have their six-figure job. They don't want to leave it. And they're not ready to become syndicators right now. So um, their way of doing that was actually to invest passively and learn about real estate that way. And one of my investors um, in my last deal, he wrote a $200,000 check. And the conversation started by him saying, hey, I want to become a syndicator. Can you help me out? And I scheduled a call with him. I really didn't think it would turn, you know, it would turn out, he would turn out to be an investor in my deal. And I said, hey, I'm happy to talk with you. And we spoke. Uh, I gave him advice of, you know, how to start, what it takes to become a syndicator. And he realized, you know what, the best way for me to do right now is to deploy the money in, you know, in, in a syndication as a passive investor. And this way, you can get exposed to um, how syndicators market the deals, um, all the information about how on a monthly basis, you know, when he gets report, how we, we manage the deal. Um, so that was one. Uh, and I think I actually touched on the two reasons. One was for some people, it's better to get in, you know, information and education through passive investing. And uh, of course, besides, you know, um, the obvious motive of making money. And the second one is, that some people have, um, and when we started, I, I was I was not ready to become an active investor. I was working in the tech industry and you know making six figures, and 
I didn't really want to leave my job at that point. Um, and it's the fact that you are an investor doesn't mean that you have to leave your job and start, you know, with this new venture. Um, I did it at some point and I transitioned, but it could be one of those two reasons. So I always say to people who want to become syndicators, I always say either, you know, get a mentor or invest passively. And that's the advice I also give people on, on um, bigger pockets where I'm very active because there's so much you need to know before you risk your money and your investors' money. So the education has to come from one of those two sources, either passively or be mentored. And you know what? Also, a third way is to help raise capital for other um, syndicators and a partner with them on the capital raising side. You can learn so much more. So just pick one of those three, you know, ways, and that that's you know partially why I started. Um, you know, as passive investor. So there's three ways that somebody might be able to get involved in syndication. I'm going to try to, um, I'm going to try to bring the same words out that you said in, in my own words. So correct me if I'm wrong. One of the three is to be passive and you'll learn mm -hmm. a lot that way. Another one is to, to go and pay for a mentor to get educated um, separately. And the third is to, bring equity to a deal, not necessarily your money, but to raise capital for an, a deal that's yeah. already happening. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so the two reasons why Ellie Perlman says that she went passive was one, she was in a tech job. She didn't want to leave the job. Number two, she wanted to gain knowledge of how other syndicators are doing deals so that down the road when she was ready to do her own deals, that she had that knowledge. She already saw how other syndicators were doing paperwork, K-1s, et cetera, et cetera. Um, very interesting. And that story that you mentioned about a phone call that you had with a gentleman who says, I want to be a syndicator. I want to get into multifamily. And can you teach me how to do this? And, and you took the time to really share how to do that. But at the end of the call, the man said, uh, I guess I don't really want to be a syndicator, but can I just give you 200 grand to your next deal? Is that accurate? Yeah. He basically said, I don't want to be a syndicator right now because I have, you know, some money on the side and I understand it's such a long process and uh, he's very successful at his job and what he does. Um, but yeah, that, that's what happened. And I really did not expect anything but to just, you know, we were on the phone for an hour, hour and a half. And I just wanted to help out because I remember when I started, it was a little bit overwhelming um, and I really didn't expect much, uh, but great things happen when, when you do that, when you're just putting yourself out there and you're willing to um, help people out and share what you know. Um, and that, that's, that's basically what happened. I think he will become a syndicator. He just needs a little bit more um, time to learn about it. And through his passive investment, you know, he can reach out to me and ask questions. Um, why did you do, you know, this and what, how come can you explain to me the numbers? And so he can actually learn about it that way. But it all started from a phone call. Um, and I don't remember how he reached out to me it was through social media, but yeah. Very interesting. I've had exactly three um, times that that's happened to me where somebody just said, Adam, I want to pick your brain. I want to know how you got mm -hmm. into this. And 
I didn't intentionally try to make, I mean, syndication is tough. There's a lot of ins and outs. That's the truth about it. But I wasn't intentionally saying that to like scare somebody. But I was just saying, this is what you got to know if you're going to do this. And all three times that these are my three top biggest investors who have invested in, in multiple deals. They never do the minimum. They always do more than the minimum. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's three people that just said, hey, teach me how to do what you're doing. And I was like, this is how, and these are all the things you got to worry about because this is a business. You, 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 yeah. You're not dabbling if you want to really get this going. There's a lot to do. And, and I try to just say that honestly in all three times they're like no I'm just going to put 100 in this deal 150 in the next deal 75 in the next deal and it's like okay there was one time though that somebody uh, took me out to lunch because they wanted to be a passive investor in our deals and I am not and that's still pending because I'm not sure what he's going to do to be honest but um he was like I just want to be passive in your deal and then when we started talking I was like are you sure it seems like you want to run the show it seems like you want to run the show and he's like oh, I kind of do and so we kind of talked and and I mean he's got plenty to invest a, a few million a few million that he could just put into deals but after we kind of de- decided to go deep into it it, that conversation was more for him. And that, that's the part that why I'm even bringing any of this up is for the listener to say to themselves, what happens when somebody asks me these questions? Well, Allie talked about a story where now she has 200 grand in this deal. And I've talked about a story where I have some passive investors. But all of the times, the, the part that you're supposed to get from this is that each and every one of these times, Allie and Adam and hopefully you will... Um, answer the questions in the benefit of your the person who's asking you the question, right? And so when this person basically took me to uh, the side and said, hey, I just want to be a passive investor, it, in everything that he said, I could tell that he wanted to control everything, right? And, and, and I'm okay with that. It's just like, I'm pretty sure, his name is Steve. I'm like, Steve, I'm pretty sure that you would rather run your own deals. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, it's going to take a lot, but if you really want to run your own deals, you shouldn't be like getting rid of all of your money right now. And he's like, why? And I, and I just said, you got to have some of it liquid because it takes some money to, to do these deals. And you either can partner with somebody who has the liquid right. capital to put down because there's down payments, there's, there's attorney's fees, there's prepaid insurance, there's all these random things. So I was just like, I told him, if you're going to have to go and decide what you want to do, and when you understand what you want to do, then you can decide how much of that needs to be allocated to passive investing and how much of it needs to be allocated to make sure that you can run your own show. So anyway, it's, it's very interesting. I hope that that was valuable to uh, the listener to just say, now um, I'll be able to answer the right questions for them, not necessarily for you. Um, And darn it, since I'm on the tangent, somebody else took me to lunch and they thought that I was going to pitch them on investing in our deal. Uh, Rex, a good friend of mine, he's in my mastermind. And I said, you shouldn't do that. He, He has plenty of money, but I said, you shouldn't do that, Rex. You need to, oh, Ellie, you know Rex, right? He was, he asked a bunch of questions at the Raising Money Summit. 
Um, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's going to start his own, um, his own, not assisted living, but um, uh, rehab um, addicts. Like what? I don't know the word for it right now, but. Yeah, I know. I had a great conversation with his sister also. Um, I, I forget how he phrases it, but it's basically for its uh, rehab facilities. Yep. Um, I thought it was a really interesting, you know, concept because it's not something that I've heard about before to syndicate for that. Yeah. So that's, um, that's pretty unique. He, yeah, he went to his, uh, girl, his girlfriend and, and he was like, uh, the weirdest thing just happened. I went to lunch with Adam and he told me not to invest in his deal. And, <laughs> and I was, and I was like, Rex, it has to be for you, all of our conversations have to be for that other person. We have to really genuinely try to see what is best for them. And if that's what he wants to do, it's not best for him to invest passively in my deal. But I assume, and not that it was like this master plan at the time, but I assume that he'll be more comfortable to send his friends to talk to me because he knows mm -hmm. I'm not just going to like tell him BS. So, Anyway, let's get back to Ellie Perlman, and uh, we're going to go into the final five. So these final five questions have been set up to really understand a little bit more about her and how you can implement the same thing she's doing. But before we do that, we have a quick word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Unfortunately, many people think that they have to take their first step into passive income through buying a single family rental and then they find out after that that route isn't really very passive. And I'm currently selling off my portfolio of 18 smaller properties that I kind of call unnecessary headaches. My goal this year is to make good money actively on my uh, running my real estate business, but then putting my other passive money, instead of buying rentals, actually putting them into other people's syndications where I'm completely hands off and making a higher return than I was with my single family and small multifamily. And I no longer have to deal with the day to day. If you're an accredited investor, then Blue Spruce Holdings has some opportunities for you right now to be a passive passive investor. So go to realbluespruce.com to find out how to be a passive passive investor. Miss Ellie Perlman, it's been a pleasure so far to have you. And what is the most creative deal that you've ever done? Um, so I can, you know, speak about the current deal that we just actually closed um, a about a week ago. Uh, for me, the creative way was how I raised capital and um, I, I brought other partners with me to the deal. And I think that's one creative way where if your listeners are thinking, you know what, I, I think I can raise half a million or only a million dollars. Think outside of the box, think create, creatively. Not all the capital, the capital has to come from you. So you can actually either take some, some people who want to start into in, you know, in real estate and syndication and teach them how to do that and give them part of the equity or any other legal compensation um, so they can bring capital to the deal with you. And that's basically what I've done um, in that deal. For me, the creative way was, yeah, some of my investors, um, they were a good fit for this deal. I didn't bring all my investors, obviously. But some of the money that came to the deal actually came from other partners, people that wanted to learn, and that would be actually their first um, multifamily deal. So I gave them some guidance, and they brought their own investors. 
So don't think, you know, you don't have to do everything by yourself. It's all about how you scale. And for me, it's easier to reach the five people, five partners on a deal, for instance, and each of them will raise $250,000 to $500,000 than to raise all of that money myself. That's how, when I think about scaling, that's how I did it. And that, that's a creative way of bringing capital to a deal. That's perfect. I love it. And very well said. What is a book you recommend? So I really enjoyed The One Thing by uh, Gary Keller, and it taught me so much. Um, I'm, I was, when I started, I was trying to do everything, and my calendar was, it just looked terrible, and I was trying to get to a certain point that I couldn't because, because there's so much noise. There's so many things you need to do, and The One Thing teaches you how to focus, how to weed out all the other nonsense and focus the first thing, the first four to five hours of the day, only to work on the one thing that by doing so, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. And once you answer this question, you know what you need to focus the first part of your day. And that's the one thing you need to focus on. And then you can do the rest. But then you'll see a tremendous growth and you can actually make huge progress. And that's what I've implemented. And I, I just absolutely love the book. And I recommend it to anyone. Where do you see yourself five years from today? Five years from today, um, I see myself owning at least at least 10,000 units, if not more. In just five years. That's great. And how do you give back? So I'm really passionate about educating kids from uh, underprivileged families. I think for me, education was the way out. And so I got married in, on September 1st and me and my husband decided uh, that instead of getting gifts um, to actually form a foundation and a charitable foundation that is going to help kids uh, gain education about financing entrepreneurship and help them, you know, have someone to believe in them and, and bring them out of that place that they are today. Um, and um I'm a huge believer in education and that's um, my way of giving back. Love it. And how does the listener find you and get a hold of you? So the main way is just to go to my website, um, ellieperlman.com. And on my website, you can, you'll see, you know, everything from, um, the, from my phone number and email address. And you can also go and listen to my podcast. Um, everything is that there is to know about me is, is on that website. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on. So again, the podcast, the name of the podcast is Unbelievable Real Estate Stories. And um, the her company is Blue Lake Capital, Blue Lake Capital. And you can find her at Ellie Perlman, E-L-L-I-E, Pearl, P-E-R-L-M-A-N.com. And that'll also be in the show notes. So just scroll down, you can click on the link. So no problem. Ellie, thank you for coming on. I really, really appreciate your time. Absolutely. It was fun, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. You brought a ton of value to the listener and to me, so I really appreciate it. And until next time, think outside the box. I super hope that you got a lot of value out of today's episode. And if so, feel free to stop by iTunes and show us some love. And also, let's partner on a deal. You bring the deal, I bring the capital and I bring the management. Or I bring the deal and the management and you bring the capital. Let's grow together and do some big things this year. And remember... I'm not an attorney. I'm not a CPA. So consult your own advisors. Until next time, think outside the box.